the American way of growing food with pesticides and hormones and factory farms was spreading with McDonald's and KFC and Baskin Robbins. With that, waistlines were expanding and hospitals were filling up and people were getting sick with diseases that had been unheard of a generation ago. My grandpa, Irvin Robbins, who had lost his brother-in-law, Bert Baskin, to heart disease. Uncle Bert was 54, and my grandpa, Irv, at 71, was suffering serious heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and weight issues. Uh, his doctors told him he didn't have long to live unless he made some big changes. He ended up cutting down on his sugar consumption almost completely, eating way less processed food, eating way less animal products. He even gave up ice cream. He added another 19 more vibrant, healthy years to his life. So we've really seen in our family that when we follow the standard American diet, we get the standard American diseases, mm -hmm. and that when we uh, make a change, we can get tremendous results. We stand today. The Business Method. The business with method. The, shadow. the Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that produce over a million dollars and annual revenue and now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results economies and cultures there's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this happen now let's jump in today's show the business method noah my friend ocean is about to be on the mic Ocean Robbins from the Baskin yes. Robbins Legacy. Yes. <laughs> yes, amazing. You're excited for this one, yeah? Yes, I'm very excited for this one because I've been a, a big follower of his father uh, and his family, his wife too. And yeah. uh, like they really helped a lot the health industry and the health community to, yeah, to, to, to realize more that SAD, the standard American diet, was... Uh, not such a good idea after all. So yeah, I, I really respect them a lot and, and love where they come from. Do you guys have a SED, Standard European Diet? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it, but uh, yeah, you could say that. What about a Standard Iranian Diet? No, 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 no. idea. It's ID. <laughs> you, it's... As long as it's not an STD. <laughs> uh, standard Texas Diet? Is that yeah. <laughs> Which which is beef and beef on top and petrol and and uh, yeah oil on top <laughs> yeah it's exciting his story I was just rereading it and uh, his story is quite amazing I heard him on the No Meat Athlete um, oh, yes. Yes. podcast yes, yes. and uh, was very inspired and uh, you know to step away his parents stepped away from the the industry and he was offered to work in the family baskin robin business and he said no you know i'm i don't want to contribute to other people getting sick and that takes a lot of courage you know you're you're raised around it and grow up you grow up swimming in ice comb 
shaped pools, swimming pools, you know? <laughs> and then, then you don't do it. You don't go that route. So it's exciting. No, it's sometimes, yeah, sometimes uh, uh, people wake up and I'm very glad that, that uh, it's becoming more and more, actually. Yeah. Compare now with 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. It's like 15 years ago, if you would say I'm vegan, everyone look at you like, how do you get your protein? Now, yeah. if you ask that question, it's quite a yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, stupid question almost. Well, there's still a lot of people out there that are asking those questions. Like around our circles, it's definitely, you know, pretty, pretty common uh, knowledge. But there's still, I go back home and uh, there's still a lot of people that will ask that question. Where do you get your protein at? Yeah. Yeah. Vegetables. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, vegetables, exactly. What kind of health diet are you on these days? <laughs> no, still the same. Mostly like plant-based. Yeah. Mostly raw plant-based. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's funny. Like if you put in on one on one side all the herbivores and the other side all the carnivores. Yeah. Uh, like, how does a dog sweat? How does a as a cat sweat? Always through the mouth, you know, through yeah. the tongue actually. But if you compare horses, sheep, all the herbivores, they sweat through the through their skin. And guess how the humans sweat. Through our skin. skin, yeah. Yes. If you go deeper, let's say, on these small things like the length of your stomach, the acidity of your stomach, comparing to carnivore, we are more plant-based eaters than than meat eating eaters. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of science that, that you know. It's exciting every year the new science that comes out about health. You know, because it seems like every year there's there's a new, so much new information that comes out, and it's really exciting to learn. It's, it's yes yes very true it's exciting to learn because a lot of people forgot how how like nowadays we said oh this is ecological this is organic i mean yeah. 200 years ago there, there was nothing else than organic and ecological yeah yeah that's very true we did a um a survival trek in the thai jungle last fall and uh sounds and, exciting yeah i wasn't invited <laughs> didn't get the memo, memo. You're, you're always invited you were on the other side of the planet um <laughs> these these you know and our guides were like you you guys are gonna love the food here because it's the most organic healthy natural food that you can eat anywhere yes. and and you know it makes a really good point you can eat some things you know you can grab a piece of grass and get something out of the grass and, and have nutrients straight from that. Yeah. But I, I've been like, I came up with the philosophy a few years ago to always just shift my diet to a little bit more healthy every single year. And, you know, maybe one year it's remove this or the next year it's add this. And then over a period of three to five years, you've, you've made a massively significant change in your diet. And then over the long term every year you're just getting a bit healthier and healthier and healthier. And that's the way it should be, you know, uh, because we, I personally grew up on, um, what at the time we thought was a decent four square meal diet, but it, now we know that the, it, it wasn't as healthy as we thought. And, and so every year I think people should really, um, you know, go by that philosophy and just, just take one thing per year to either remove or to add in your diet. And yeah. that's not too hard. And you can really see a massive shift in your health over three to five years, you know? Yes. Like, like raise your standard uh, philosophy. I, I really like that. Yeah. The, the Japanese call it Kani, C-A-N-I, which stands for constant and never ending improvement. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. It's a very. Uh, it's. It's. You can use that for also health. And actually, you must use that for health. And but unfortunately, most people see it as a should and not as a must, until yes. they get sick exactly. or someone in their environment gets sick. Yeah. Then they wake up. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but people now are getting more and more aware. To be honest with you, uh, although it's it's like the big uh, media and and farm big pharma are, are still like very strong. Uh, people are becoming more aware. That's one thing we should talk to Ocean about is big pharma and see see his point of view of the company. Yes, 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 yes. And 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 I think also a lot of people like don't realize, let's say, how much how much top sporters, like like NBA sporters and athletes, uh, world champions, boxers, are actually plant uh, like vegetarian and some of them even vegan. Oh really? Yeah, big time. There's a list online of all the top athletes that are vegan. Oh, that'd be cool to check out. The, the the world champion in triathlon, Brandon uh, Brazier, he's a he's a he's a, a vegan uh, triathlete. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I'm not torn with, but interested in learning more about because I like the flexibility of of we both eat meat on occasion, but um, I like the flexibility of knowing that I can be a high endurance athlete on a vegan diet. Definitely. And, yeah, and it, whether I choose to or not, and I think that that is incredible to to have because you know you can eat um, raw, organic, healthy, vegan diet and still compete with the top competitors in the world. Exactly, it is not a reason anymore to not be able to uh, to not be a vegan yeah. if you want to. Yeah. How how often do you eat meat now? Oof, like if it happens uh, five times a year, it's a lot. Is that five times a year? Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm about 15 to 20% of the time, which isn't actually it may be a little less, 15 to 10 or so. Okay. Yeah. It's, 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 to be honest with you, it's like, as you said, you know, you raise every year the standards, you educate yourself every year more and more. Yeah. Um, and, and simple like research, like uh, books that were forgotten. You read them and then you wake up, you think, oh my God, this is so true. If you now dig a grave that is 20 years old and you take the bone of that skeleton, comparing to a grave that is 200 years old, the, 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 the bones of someone who is 200 years old are stronger than the ones that died only 20, 30 years ago. Interesting. Where'd you learn that? There's a book called Physiology of Humans. Uh, it, was a, it was a dentist, actually, that in the 18th century, 1900. Uh, something did a, a big research about people who are more often sick and what they were eating and I can I can research the book what it's called uh, and, and and send you the link. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yes. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna welcome Ocean to the show. Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, we're very excited to welcome Mr. Ocean Robbins on the show. Ocean, how are you doing today? Hello, Mr. Chris. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. Happy to have you. And of course, we have our co-host, Noah Leith, joining us. Noah, how are you today? I'm very good, my friend. Live from Barcelona. Uh, live from Barcelona. Okay. 
Um, so Ocean, thank you for hopping on the mic with us. We really appreciate you taking your time. I heard you on the No Meat Athlete podcast and uh, just got really excited and wanted to reach out to see if you were open to coming on the show, and we're glad that you are. But your story is so inspiring, um, and we've got gobs of questions to ask you. But we, uh, I want to give you the mic just for a couple minutes, and if you could share with the audience your backstory so they understand exactly who you are and how you became the entrepreneur and influencer that you are today. Sure, absolutely. Well, my grandpa founded an ice cream company called Baskin Robbins. My dad, John, grew up with an ice cream cone-shaped swimming pool in the backyard and <laughs> 31 flavors of ice cream in the freezer. He was groomed to one day join in running the family company. But when he, he was in his early 20s, he was offered that chance and he said no. And he walked away from a path that was practically paved with gold and ice cream to, as we jokingly say in our family, follow his own rocky road. He ended up moving <laughs> with my mom to a little island off the coast of Canada. They built a one-room log cabin, grew most of their own food practiced yoga and meditation for several hours a day and named their kid Ocean. That, of course, is me. They say they almost named me Kale. And this was- no, I prefer before, Ocean. <laughs> yes, this was me too. This is before Kale was cool. Yeah. So uh, for the sake of my future social life, I'm very glad they took the more conservative route when they named their son. <laughs> but we did eat a lot of kale and cabbage and carrots and onions and other veggies from the garden. And as I got a little older, uh, my dad wound up researching the food industry in which he'd grown up and coming out with the 1987 bestseller, Diet for a New America, which inspired millions of people to look at food as a chance to make a difference for their health and their world. The, the media had a lot of fun with the story. They called him the rebel without a cone. One of his millions of readers ended up being my grandpa, Irvin Robbins, who had lost his brother-in-law, Bert Baskin, to heart disease when my dad's uncle, Bert, was 54 and my grandpa Irv at 71 was suffering serious heart disease, type two diabetes and weight issues. And uh, his doctors told him he didn't have long to live unless he made some big changes. And they gave him a copy of my dad's book, which my grandpa read and he followed its advice. He ended up cutting down on his sugar consumption almost completely eating way less processed food, eating way less animal products. He even gave up ice cream and he started eating a lot more whole plant foods, and he got results. He lost the weight he needed to lose. He got off all of his diabetes and high blood pressure medications. He added another 19 more vibrant, healthy years to his life. And um, so we've really seen in our family that when we follow the standard American diet, we get the standard American diseases, mm -hmm. and that when we uh, make a change, we can get tremendous results. So in my own life, I was inspired by my dad's example and my grandpa's transformation, and I founded a nonprofit organization when I was 16, ended up working with young leaders on leadership development in 65 countries around the world. And I saw as I traveled the globe that everybody eats and that what we're eating is having this huge impact that the American way of growing food with pesticides and hormones and factory farms was spreading, that the American way of marketing food was spreading with McDonald's and KFC and Baskin Robbins spreading around the globe. Yeah. And at, with that, waistlines were expanding and hospitals were filling up and people were getting sick with diseases that had been unheard of a generation ago. And uh, so I realized I wanted to focus on food. And in 2012, I launched Food Revolution Network with my dad and 
We've been going strong ever since, reaching millions of people, uh, helping empower healthy, ethical, sustainable food for all. And um, that's, that's my mission and my passion now. Incredible. Did you ever talk to your dad about the process of him stepping away from that micro family unit that believed in, you know, I'm sure they were very passionate about ice cream at the time. Um, do you know how, was that a difficult process for him? Uh, it was very difficult, um, though he's never looked back uh, with anything other than pride, I think, that he made that choice. But, right. you know, at the time he's walking away from a ice cream fortune. And, um, and perhaps the hardest part was that he had to really disappoint his father. Because, yeah. you know, my grandpa built an incredible ice cream company and wanted to share it with his only son. And my dad says no. And my grandpa was really hurt and bitter and disappointed. And, um, you know, my dad felt really sad. What, what young man doesn't want to make his dad proud of him? You know, yeah. <laughs> and um, and here was um, my dad doing something that really disappointed his father. Um, but, you know, he was a choice for his own integrity and his own conscience. And, um, you know, in, in the long run, blood is thicker than ice cream. As we saw, my grandpa ended up, you know, learning a few things from Junior and um, <laughs> discovering uh, some real benefit from from my dad's advice and probably lived a lot longer because of it. And it sounds like in the end, he definitely made his dad proud. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. If let's dive into health, let's just get into it. Like if you were to tell the standard North American or any person around the world, because most people have poor diets, um, to remove one thing from their diet, what would you say? I would say um, that <laughs> one thing. Okay, well, there's three things. There's three things that okay. I advocate removing from your diet. You know, added sugars maybe could be number one on the list if you just had to choose one. But you know, added sugars and all the processed junk. I mean, there are over two thousand chemicals in our food supply. Most of them, you know, they're products of laboratories. They they don't come from the earth, and our bodies were not really equipped to deal with them. So they create all kinds of bizarre interactions in our body and then and, and health impacts preservatives you know flavorings um, emulsifiers colorings etc and uh, what we find is that uh, many of these are linked to higher rates of ADD and maybe even autism and um, you know uh, all sorts of other health problems and obviously diabetes and obesity and heart disease and cancer and even Alzheimer's so um, and then the third one would be animal products Mm -hmm. and particularly those that come from factory farms. You know, we're, we're treating animals with tremendous cruelty, keeping them cooped up in very unnatural environments where they never see the sun or a blade of grass in their entire lives. Birds that can never lift a single wing all the way because they're so packed tight, so tight. Um, and uh, it's very unnatural. They're fed totally unnatural diets. They go crazy in these circumstances. They're yeah. morbidly obese. You know, the, we, we basically take chickens for when we're raising them for meat and we make them gain weight so fast that they can't walk. It's like if you took a newborn baby and by the three months old, they weighed 600 pounds. That's what we've done to chickens to make them grow, gain weight so quickly. So they, they can't walk. They're sitting in their own feces all day long and naturally eating the products of this system uh, turns out to be linked to a whole host of health ailments. So eating less factory farmed animal products, eating less sugar and eating less processed junk could do wonders for human health, especially if we replace all that with whole plant foods. I, I read also a lot about that 
one of the most car- carcinogen ways to get uh, in your body is to eat fried food. Well, what, what is your uh, view on that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Fried food is not your friend if you want to be healthy. You know, in general, uh, oil is controversial because, you know, there are some fats that can be beneficial, health, so-called healthy fats like omega-3 fatty acids. But most of the oils we cook with are, you know, coming from corn or soy or cottonseed or canola, typically genetically engineered uh, seeds. Um, and then we, we, when we fry in them, frying oil is often heated and cooled and heated and cooled or kept hot all day long. And there are these free radicals that form in the oil that are carcinogenic. So um, yeah, fried foods, um, it's very different than pan frying where you, you know, put some olive oil in a frying pan and a skillet and, you know, saute some onions in there. Uh, when you have a big vat of, you know, genetically engineered, potentially even partially hydrogenated oil that stays hot all day long, uh, it gets pretty toxic. Yeah. So, so if, if like, if you have to choose uh, between like sugar, animals, fried food, uh, what, what is like the worst from your point of view? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's kind of like asking what's worse, you know, uh, getting strung out on heroin or crack or cocaine, exactly. you know? <laughs> um, your brain or you know honest, honestly, we live in a toxic food culture. And one of the fallacies, you know, you, you may have seen some of these studies saying, oh, new study says everything we thought we knew about food and health was wrong. We were told to eat low fat, but now we find that people who eat low fat and more carbs are doing worse. Well, guess what? When you take uh, animal products out of your diet and you replace them with sugar and white flour, you're not going to get any health benefit. It's arguable whether you'll be healthier or less healthy. Um, But when you replace them with uh, whole plant foods, you get a totally different outcome. So what we see from so many studies is we need to eat more vegetables, more fruits, legumes, and whole grains. And when we base our diet around those foods, we get the fiber, the, the antioxidants and flavonoids and phytonutrients that are proven in study after study to lead to longer and healthier lives. So Ocean, if you're going to fry something in, in oil, so you know the top three that I know of are, of course, olive oil, grapeseed oil, and uh, coconut oil. Any thoughts on those? I've actually recently heard that maybe olive oil isn't as good for you as some people say. Yeah, I mean, the general rule of thumb is that you want to eat food in as natural a state as possible. And so, you know, for example, olives are uh, significantly healthier than olive oil. Avocados are going to be healthier than avocado oil. Walnuts are healthier than walnut oil. Because what happens when you make a refined food is you strip away all kinds of good stuff. You're getting rid of all the fiber, Mm -hmm. a lot of the vitamins and minerals, and you're creating a refined product. So that's true with all oils, you know, to some extent. Olive and coconut are probably less refined than a lot of the others. Um, But, um, you know, they're, they're still refined items and they're not whole foods. So, you know, I think that, you know, cooking with a bit of oil, yeah, I think you got, you're on the right track. Probably olive and coconut are, you know, the two that I would most often use. Um, you don't want to heat them to a really high temperature, um, but they're not a health food. They're just a way to make your healthy food taste a little better. Mm. So if you're using olive oil to saute some mushrooms, for example, go for it because mushrooms are really good for you it with onions or garlic. But if you're using it, you know, t- to make French fries, 
I'm sorry, it's not really going to do a lot of good for you. Yeah, is, is it not that every virgin oil, if you heat it up, it becomes carcinogen or? Yeah, that, that depends how hot. So uh, that's where like sauteing some mushrooms aren't going to get so hot, especially if you don't do it on a super high heat. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're going to be, you know, literally frying foods, then they have to get and stay quite hot. And that, that, that becomes carcinogenic. Yes, yes. How, uh, how often do you eat fried foods? Uh, I almost never eat deep fried foods. I mean, okay. once, uh, once every couple of months, I'll be out with my kids and, you know, <laughs> we'll do, do a little something. I just was at a restaurant. We had some breaded, you know, fried oyster mushrooms as an appetizer. And, you know, I indulged not proudly, but, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy, um, I don't like to make the perfect enemy of the good. Uh, but uh, I pretty often am, you know, using a little bit of oil, you know, to make pancakes or, you know, a sauteed veggies or something. Okay. And you use like coconut oil? Cause we heard that. Yeah, I, I mostly use coconut oil for that. Um, and occasionally olive, if I like the flavor, they have different flavor profiles. Okay. If you like, would like to share with, with our listeners, our audience, like, do, is there any way uh, to have a, like a daily routine or, or a guideline? I mean, plant-based, but like is a lot of people, a lot of doctors and media, you know, they show you that is it's not enough to have your proteins or your your B12 or your D or from only food or only from vegan food. Obviously, there's a lot of misconception about that. But is there like a yeah. guideline? Um, is that just reading your book? Will that be enough? Or yeah, so I wrote Thirty One Day Food Revolution to really answer a lot of these questions in depth, but. The high level is you're basing your diet around whole plant foods with lots of vegetables and whole and sugar and uh, getting your sugar from fruit. These are these are your tickets to optimal health. And um, you know, as far as some of the specific nutrients that are points of concern, you know, some of the top ones that are of concern for most people are omega three fatty acids, fiber, vitamin B twelve, vitamin D three. So let's, t and, and whether you're vegan or not, those are points of concern. So let's talk about that. So omega-3 fatty acids, um, really there, there's very little in animal products other than fish. And if you're eating uh, the, some of the high fat, low mercury fish, like wild salmon, sardines, anchovies, those can be a good source of omega-3 fatty acids from a, purely from a health perspective. From an ethical and environmental perspective, some people are uncomfortable with eating fish you know, for some good reasons, we're kind of strip mining the oceans, obviously fish have to be killed. But if you're comfortable with that, purely from a health perspective, um, there's, you know, a case to be made for some low mercury wild fish. Uh, or you can take an algae based supplement for the, the long chain omega three fatty acids, I'm talking about EPA and DHA in particular, the short chain omega three fatty acid ALA is available in flax seeds, and chia seeds particularly, and it's also some in hemp seeds and walnuts and, and some other plant foods. And the omega-3s, uh, but your body can turn ALA into the long chain EPA and DHA omega-3s, but not always super efficiently. So uh, the key is here that you wanna also not overdo the omega-6 fatty acids. Most Americans are getting 16 or 20 units of omega-6 for every one of omega-3, and the ideal is gonna be more like um, two to five to one, omega-6 to omega-3. 
So that means you want to eat less bottled oils that are corn, soy, sunflower um, in particular. Uh, a lot of the, the main bottled oils used today in commercial processed foods are very high in omega-6s. If you can cut down on that stuff and eat more whole plant foods, then you'll have a better, more favorable ratio. And what a more favor, favorable ratio does is it enables your body to convert more efficiently so that the ALA that you eat can get converted to EPA and DHA, which you need for all kinds of healthy brain and um, body functions. Or you can take an algae-based supplement and uh, get your needs met in that way. And I do recommend that most people consider that um, unless they're eating uh, you know, wild fish, you know, say a couple times a week. What if they eat algae instead of wild fish? Is that enough? Uh, well, you don't want to eat algae directly because um, you would have to eat a lot. And most algaes that, that are consumed by humans don't have so much of the DHA and EPA. So mm -hmm. typically the supplement is a, is a more you know, refined product, but they basically extract that specific piece from algae. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a much easier way to, to get it done. In terms of vitamin D3, that comes from sunshine. There's a little bit in food, but not much. So you really want to get your vitamin D3 from the sun or from a supplement. And because most of us, especially in northern climates, don't get that much sun, unless you get 20 minutes a day of sun over, say, half your body or more, you're probably not getting your needs met for D3, and you may want to take a supplement. And there are a lot of studies showing that that's good for immune function and overall health in, in numerous ways. Um, and then um, B12 is something that is only in animal products, so vegans are more likely to be deficient in it. But uh, even with people who eat animal products regularly, about a third of us are still deficient in vitamin B12. So whether you're vegan or not, I recommend taking a supplement. It's cheap, it's tasty, take a little sublingual pill once a day or, you know, or eat fortified foods and get a little B12 that way. It's a good insurance policy. You do not want to be deficient in this vitamin. Ocean, what's your, your thoughts on, um, so for example, like I, my girlfriend's vegetarian and I'm about 80 to 85% vegetarian uh -huh. and I get my blood test uh, every year and the past two years I've been deficient in B12 and so I've started to take supplements and you also recommended taking a, a, an algae supplement. So I think about like the natural order of humanity and life on earth where um, a lot of people eat, you know, eat animals and they provide, you know, these, these nutrients where we're finding sometimes being a vegetarian or vegan, they, they don't provide like, is, is there options for uh, being vegan and and still getting all of the nutrients within your body to, to, to be healthy and to be active without taking supplements? Uh, it's a little difficult. Um, and here's the thing. Traditionally, there actually have been no long-term exclusively vegan cultures in okay. the world. But uh, there are all kinds of things we are doing today that are not traditional. Right. So, for example, traditionally, we got a lot more sun on our bodies than we do in the modern world, living indoors most of the time with clothes on. And as a result, we need to take vitamin D3, many of us. Okay. Traditionally, we ate food that came from the ground, from uh, the earth that was wild and alive in ways that our modern farms are not when we spray them with pesticides. And so um, traditionally, B12 came from the soil. Mm. And we got it from eating a carrot that had a little dirt on it because it wasn't washed so well, you know, <laughs> uh, and that dirt was alive and teeming with life in a way that our farms are not today. So 
traditionally, you know, you would have gotten your B12 that way, your D3 that way. Uh, you also would have traditionally never had nearly as much omega-6s as we're getting today because uh, you wouldn't have had all the bottled oils that are high in omega-6 that, that concentrate it. As a result, um, traditionally, you wouldn't have had the out-of-balanceness that we do, and whatever ALA omega-3s you consumed would have been converted more efficiently to EPA and DHA in your body. Um, but living in the modern world as we do, some of these supplements may be beneficial. And as you're pointing out, you're not vegan and you're still being advised to take some B12. So that's probably true for a lot of folks. And like I said, whether vegan or not, I think it's, it's recommended um, for most people today. How, oh, unless you're getting your blood tested and you know you don't need it. How often are you um, getting your blood tested or, or going to the doctor to test your health? To be honest, I go to the doctor very rarely, maybe every five or 10 years. Um, I believe that I'm personally doing very well. Every time I go, they're like, hey, don't come back for a long time. <laughs> I'm in good shape. Yeah. Uh, I, obviously, if I have an issue, then that's different. You know, like I, I had a shoulder, needed shoulder surgery last year um, because I had, you know, some rotator cuff compaction. That's a mechanical issue, you know. Um, but in general, um, I don't go to the doctor too often. Um, and when I do, I'm doing fine. But, uh, you know, some people, especially as they get older, want to pay a little closer attention. Or if you're having some mysterious ailment or not feeling totally in top shape, you may want to get checked out a little more. Um, and if you're not, if you haven't eaten the best your whole life, then that's a good time to find out because you may well have some deficiencies. That's very true. Like on, on almost every person that, that has a and non-vegan diets, but also for vegans. So like a lot of people, they, they, when, they, when they take uh, supplements, let's say, um, is, there, is there a difference between one supplement and the other supplements? Like I, I've, I've read your book, I want to start taking action. Wh where do I start? Which supplements, which brands? How do I see, let's say, that this is a good brand comparing to another? Oh, you know, I, I don't. Um, oh, so my favorite supplement specifically is made by, um, it's called Complement. And it actually provides uh, omega-3 from algae, D3. And um, uh, it, it also has um, vitamin B12 all in one, along with a number of other critical nutrients. And it's just the things that I think most people are actually deficient in. A lot of multivitamins contain tons of chemicals and things that actually most of us don't need and some of us are better off not having more of but complements a really smart formula it was designed for people who are eating a predominantly whole foods plant-based diet and it only covers the things that they might not be getting enough of from food and uh, see so if, if you go to foodrevolution.org forward slash complement again that's foodrevolution.org forward slash complement you can actually um, check it out and if you get it from that link they'll actually make a contribution to support our work as well Awesome. Awesome. That's yeah. great. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people would like to try something, but just don't know what's, a, what's an ethical brand. Um, exactly. What, what do you think, let's say, of, of you know, like lately, uh, the CBD industry has, has been growing like uh, in an in a almost hype form. And we've seen, let's say, that uh, big pharma in, in some countries, maybe not in the United States, but in, in not so much there as in as in Europe and Asia uh, that uh, big pharma is, is like pushing it that slowing trying to slowing it down at least here like yesterday uh, whole police corps uh, invaded every CBD shop in Germany and, and took everything and 
what, what, yeah. what do you what do you think did you have in your in your and your father in their mission in life did you feel any like secret powers almost that <laughs> want to sure. not uh, let you do your work yeah sure i mean you know when my dad's um bestseller diet for new america came out within five years uh factory farmed beef consumption in the United States dropped by 20%. Wow. And the, uh, you know, the, the meat industry was not pleased with him. And <laughs> they actually, uh, you know, spent, I think, $50,000 hiring Texas A&M University to create a report refuting his work. And they actually hired, um, you know, they, they did, they, there were some dirty tricks. Um, I think it was the National Dairy Council, I believe. We're not entirely sure who was behind it that actually funded having somebody shadow my dad's media tour and calling into stations an hour before his arrival to say that he was sick and wouldn't be able to come. Wow. And then he arrived Ooh. and they were like, oh, we already canceled because you said, you know, your office called and said you couldn't make it. And uh, this happened repeatedly, um, event after event. Um, and they also shadowed his tour and actually managed to, you know, have rebuttals um, going out so that anybody who was going to have him on their show would receive a whole packet of why he was wrong, you know? Um, so I think that, uh, you know, we've certainly seen some of those interests. Um, the, the beef industry arranged for a campaign where farmers sent packets of manure to our family's home address, you know, wow. when I was a youngster. And uh, we just put them in the compost pile, you know, <laughs> no big deal. But uh, it wasn't fun to have our home address published, you know. Right. So, yes, we've seen some established interests that were not keen on our work. And, you know, more recently, we, you know, we had somebody who we believe was paid by Monsanto, you know, writing a hit piece for Forbes uh, about us and our work. Um, but, you know, something, you just keep going. You can't focus on that stuff. You got to focus on what you stand for. And ultimately, as much as what we're doing might be threatening to certain established interests, I think we're actually standing for you know, a healthy food economy. We're focusing on what's possible. We're not interested in just being negative here. Yes, we live in a toxic food culture and some of these industries are going to have to go or change. But at the same time, uh, you know, we can, we can do better and we can make a lot of money. We can make a lot of healthy profits from healthy food. Very true. That's so true what you're saying now. It's like sometimes I'm so surprised, like, like a lot of people in the health industry uh, a lot of patients, like normal persons, they they think that pharma industry and doctors and everything that has to do with medicinal is there to help them, and they don't realize actually is there to to fill some owner's pockets. And yes, there are some companies that that actually put the patient as number one, but there, that's like that's more the unicorn than the than the normal. Uh, uh, is that also your? your experience specifically i mean uh, yeah i mean there are certain companies that are making you know billions of dollars profiting from people being sick and so uh, you know it was interesting when monsanto was purchased by bayer because now we had the largest pesticide company in the world merging with the largest pharmaceutical company in the world and it's kind of like you know so they can make us sick with poisons on one side and then you know sell us drugs to try to deal with the Im impact of those poisons on the other side. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I like to focus more on the positive. I think there are, you know, tragically some big problems with the economics that keep, for example, doctors not learning about nutrition in medical school, because frankly, you can make more money 
prescribing chemo drugs than prescribing broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I think that, uh, you know, we, we don't dignify plant medicine like we could. And that's partly because of patenting. The, the ability to patent drugs is why companies can spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars going through the regulatory process so they can be approved as medicines. But no one can patent broccoli or chia seeds or, you know, any of the other plant, plant foods. And as a result, they're not getting studied and therefore they can't be prescribed or reimbursed by insurance. So literally, even from a consumer standpoint, you may get insurance reimbursement and therefore essentially get drugs for free, but you have to pay for vegetables. <laughs> and it's ironic because the insurance companies could pay so much less for, yeah. for food, but this is how our system is set up right now. You don't get reimbursed for that. So um, we got some work to do if we want to change this and make it sane. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I believe that we can. I, I think that I, I've, I've interacted with a lot of leaders in, in big food and big pharma companies. And I don't think anyone stays up all night trying to figure out how to, you know, poison the planet or, you know, harm consumers. I think they work really hard to make money. Yeah. And unfortunately, our system and our government policies are favoring, you know, certain practices over others. And we need to shift the playing field so that you know, it's easier for the consumer. You shouldn't have to use your whole paycheck just to eat whole foods. And it also needs to be easier for companies to do the right thing as well. Because frankly, you know, if a company goes organic and raises their the price of all their, their ingredients uh, and then they go out of business, what does that do? Not yeah. a whole lot. No. What, are, what do you think are some of the major shifts that will happen in the food industry over the next, say, 10, 15 years or so? I think we're going to see uh, simpler ingredient lists uh, that are that less often will you see 30, 30 ingredients, including 27 chemicals on a package. Mm. I think companies are going to try and simplify and get it down to five, 10 max, three sometimes. It's going to get cleaner. I think we're going to continue to see a growth in natural foods, organic foods. I think some more food buying is going to go online. Obviously, Amazon's trying to scoop that up. So is uh, Thrive Market in the United States. Uh, people will start ordering from their computers and having stuff delivered. Uh, I think that we're going to see a continued growth in farmers markets. And I actually think we're going to see more gardens, community gardens, backyard gardens, more people taking an interest in farming. We're seeing that trend right now with young people, that more young people are interested in growing food. And I think that's going to keep picking up. Um, I think we're going to see another level beyond organic of certification for uh, some kind of certification that goes a step further because organic's gotten a bit diluted. And um, I think that's going to, you know, come out in the coming years. We have organic, we have non-GMO, we have, you know, grass-fed, pasture-raised, um, you know, fair trade certified. There's a lot of different labels out there. I think we might see one that's more comprehensive that people can know if that label's on there, then it was produced with respect for the planet, respect for animals, without a lot of poisons and chemicals, and I can trust it. Take us through uh, the process of your book, The 31-Day Food Revolution. It sounds amazing. And can you take us inside your book for a bit and, and share with us what people will learn going through that 31-day process? Absolutely. So I wrote 31-Day Food Revolution because my grandpa did an amazing job bringing the world smiles and flavor with 31 flavors of ice cream. And I said, you know what? I've got to be as good at marketing healthy, delicious food as he was at marketing ice cream. 
So yeah. I wrote 31 Day Food Revolution to take people on a journey to say that, you know, 31 steps to health can bring you more pleasure and more satisfaction even than 31 flavors can. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, you can do a chapter a day or you can apply the principles of the book. If you want to read it all at once, you can apply, apply the principles of the book, you know, for a month and then hopefully for a lifetime. But after a month, you'll see some serious impact. Every single chapter ends with simple action steps you can take to apply what you've just learned in your life. Because it's all about action. You know, at the end of the day, cancer, heart disease, type two diabetes, they do not care a heck of a lot how many books you read, how many podcasts you listen to, how much you know. Yeah. They care what you eat and how you live and what you do. So this book is all about action and getting results. There are four parts to 31 Day Food Revolution. Part one is detoxify. That's where we look at how you can get rid of the bad stuff that could be making you sick. Part two is nourish. That's where we look at the the superfoods, the real superfoods that can really help you thrive, that have been proven to fight cancer and heart disease and Alzheimer's and obesity and all the other major ailments of our times. In part three, gather, we look at how you can build your tribe, your community, your web of relationships to create a thriving food culture. Because at the end of the day, most of us are influenced by the people around us in profound ways. So I set out to ask, how can we create a really healthy, thriving uh, food culture in our world? And then part four is transform. And that's where we look at how we can be agents of change on the planet. Because I don't know about you, but for me, I don't want my food choices to contribute to animals being tortured in factory farms. Yeah. I don't want my food choices to contribute to children being uh, forced into working in the fields instead of going to school because their parents aren't earning enough to keep a roof over the family's heads without forcing their kids into, into a form of kind of slavery. You know, I, I don't want uh, to contribute to a world where uh, we're growing food in a way that future generations may not have water or topsoil or a stable climate within which to grow food to feed themselves. I want to participate in building a healthier planet, and I want uh, also to support government policies and systemic change that makes it easier for everybody, not just the super wealthy, to do the right thing for their bodies and their health. And so in, in Transform, we look at how you can actually vote with your knife and fork every day of the week <laughs> and be a part of healing the planet. Like if, if I would like to vote uh, with um, my uh, fork and plate, is there like any food that, or supplement that you think that are underrated, uh, like that, that you have like kale, obviously there was like a kale hype where everyone was buying kale. And yeah. But like, is there, right. you think, you know what, actually, uh, algaes is one of the oldest form of food and you should more look into that or, or anything that most people don't know about. Do you, do you have any insight on that? Oh my goodness. Yeah. There's a lot of superfoods that are super healthy, um, that I love to talk about. Um, you know, one of them is mushrooms. One study found that women who ate mushrooms regularly, like almost every day, had a 64% drop in risk of breast cancer. Wow. When those same wow. women also drank green tea daily, they had an 89% drop in risk of breast cancer. That's, that's, that's a really magic mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's remarkable. And then, uh, you know, we've also got studies with blueberries showing that people who eat blueberries regularly have two and a half more years of healthy brain function more mental clarity. Uh, honestly, the studies on coffee are pretty darn good too for most people. Coffee. Not everyone does well with it. Yeah. Coffee, green tea, chocolates. There, there are some interesting things that turn out to be really good for us. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, and then turmeric as a spice is extraordinary uh, in terms of reducing risk of dementia, reducing inflammation, supporting overall health and well-being. Um, and even I talked earlier about omega-3s. Well, turmeric helps your body convert uh, mm -hmm. ALA into EP and DHA uh, omega-3s, which is also a really good thing. Interesting. And, and, and I heard DHA is, is, especially for the men, is very needed to, for the testosterone, the free testosterone uh, raise, right? Yes, that, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And another food that I think is, um, uh, I won't say underrated, it's, more, it's controversial, but it's gotten an unfair bad rap is soy. And let me be clear, most of our soy is genetically engineered today, and, that's, and a lot of it is hyper-processed. So when we're talking about genetically engineered soy oil or textured vegetable protein that's turned into you know, some kind of fake meat product, that's not a health food. But if we're talking about edamame or you know, relatively unprocessed tofu or soy milk that's organically grown, then uh, the health benefits are quite considerable. And in Okinawa, Japan, which is the place in the world where people traditionally live the longest and healthiest lives, it's the highest traditional soy consumption pretty much wow. in the world. Yeah. True, true, true. In the Blue Zones, no? There was a book written by a guy. That's right. Dan Butner wrote uh, about yeah, the Blue Dan Zones. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Okinawa is one of them. So is this minor allergy for soy? You know, I think there's seven foods to avoid um, for health risk, you know, sugar, corn, and soy, and a couple other things. Is it because soy is gen gen genetically modified? Is, it, is that why? I mean, that could be a concern, but honestly, there are lots of things that some people are allergic to. Gluten is one of them. Right. Um, you know, there's celiac disease and then there's gluten intolerance. And, you know, about 2% of the population has celiac, but probably about 10% is gluten intolerant, which means right. you don't get like massively sick with it, but it can cause long-term problems, digestive issues, leaky gut, headaches, um, fatigue, other kinds of problems. Um, and so if you, if your health isn't optimal, you may want to go on an elimination diet and you could get rid of all those things, you know, dairy, corn, soy, wheat for a period of time. But, uh, if you're not allergic, then those are healthy foods for most people. Okay. Soy and wheat are both high in protein. They're high in fiber. Um, and they're, they're high in a lot of wonderful, um, phytochemicals, particularly soy, um, but for those who are sensitive, they're not your friend. So you, you may want to, you know, you can also do some tests to find out. Um, but those are not always super reliable. So the, the ultimate proof is in the pudding. <laughs> how do you do in your own body and see what you notice? Just be curious how you're doing. Uh, some people also get gas from legumes. And that doesn't necessarily mean legumes aren't healthy because lots of studies show that they're linked to positive health benefit for most people. Sometimes it's actually the amount of fiber in the legume that can give people gas if they're not used to it. Yeah. So you may want to start slow and have a little bit and not do a bit, not overdo it, but also make sure they're well cooked, like pressure cooked or sprouted first. If you sprout legumes first for a couple of days and then pressure cook them well, you'll be getting rid of any potentially harmful lectins and um, making sure that they digest as well as they possibly can. Ocean, as you know, we're recording a series of 100 major influencers and talking to them about their influence and how they use that to impact the world. And I think it's amazing what you've done. And it's it's obvious that you're making a significant, you and your family are making a significant impact to change the world. I'm curious, um, 
do you how do you manage your influence as somebody that is being sought out a lot um, to ask these questions as a professional how do you how do you how do you manage that to make sure that your decisions and your businesses and the things that you do are um, impacting the world in a positive way Oh, you know, every day I ask, how can I make the biggest contribution on this planet? You know, Um, and I don't have the perfect answer for that. I'm always looking um, to see how I can make a contribution, you know, and um, I think there are more than 7 billion parts to play in the healing of our world for more than 7 billion people on the planet. Whatever you've been through, whatever hardships you've known, whatever gifts you have, whatever talents you have whatever breakdowns you've been through, they're all part of us now and they all make you uniquely qualified to play your part uh, in making the world a better place. And some people will do it in the system. You know, I respect the people who work at Nestle and are trying to get less sodium and sugar in certain products and, you know, find ways to make things tasty that are healthy. Uh, I respect the people, you know, who are outside the system, you know, who are, you know, doing the studies that that show us what's wrong and then organizing boycotts and petitions and campaigns. I respect the folks who are creating a new system, you know, who are growing healthy food and producing healthy food and marketing and selling healthy food. And, you know, whether you're a researcher or scientist or you're in the food industry or you're just a consumer, we've all got a part to play. And so think about how you can vote with your dollars and vote with your life to build a healthier world. And don't, don't give your hard-earned money or your stomach space to industries that are just out to make a buck. Well put. Ocean, we're going to wrap up there. If the listeners want to learn more about what you have going on and where they can find your book and where they can find more information, uh, where's the best place they could do that at? So go to 31dayfoodrevolution.com. Again, that's 31dayfoodrevolution.com. And uh, pick up a copy of 31 Day Food Revolution, plus a bunch of wonderful bonuses. You can also go to foodrevolution.org to check out our website and our hundreds of free blog articles on a whole host of topics. Um, And uh, most of all, check out our work in your own heart by joining the revolution. Ocean, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your wisdom and health food resources with us. We really appreciate it. And we're going to wrap up there. Listeners, thank you guys for joining us once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.